Well, good morning. My name is Brian Cox. I'm our next step pastor here. And, uh, and, I'm, and that was Dave Crome, y'all just saw on the screen. I'm, I'm, I'm grateful for guys like Dave. Yeah, absolutely. Applaud him. Dave is a guy who will uh, seek God's will, pray, study, know God's word, and step into leadership. And of course, the last few weeks, we've been talking about leadership and replicating leadership in this Replicate series. And you'll see a graphic up on the screen uh, that we've been walking through that you should be familiar with. It'll be coming up on the screen in just a second that you're familiar with about Replicate in this series that we have been walking through. In our first week, we talked about how we must uh, be a people over the past couple of weeks who, who follow Christ. Christ says to us, come and see and follow me. And so the leader must be identified, the leader must establish his or herself as the leader and the apprentice must be available to see and emulate that leader. Well, this week we're gonna examine our third principle, abide in me, abide in me. Here, the activity level of leadership is ratcheted way up is ratcheted way up and centers around the, the intense activity of the Holy Spirit making an impact on our leadership. As we discuss what it means to abide as leaders and as disciple makers, I want you to grasp this truth. The leader must enhance their life in Christ. They must enhance their life in Christ to achieve sustainable success. The leader must enhance their life in Christ to achieve sustainable success. The leader must be active. The apprentice must be involved. And both of those leaders must lean in to their life in Christ in order to enhance their life in such a way that they will be successful, but a success that is actually sustainable, a success that will be sustainable in the long term. So what does it mean to be a leader? What does it mean to enhance our lives in Christ? And how in the world do we define success? We're going to look and take a look in God's word in John 15. If you have your Bibles, would you turn over there with me to John 15? I love this passage of scripture. In fact, when John asked me if I would like the opportunity to preach, for which I'm grateful, he said, I'm gonna have you in John 15 to talk about abiding me. And I said, yes, that's awesome. That's a great passage of scripture. And then John said, yeah, I know it is a great passage of scripture. In fact, every single time I give away something like this, an opportunity to preach like this, I regret it. And I said, well, thanks, pastor. That's, that's encouraging. He said, no, 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 the passage of scripture, not you. So um, I'm encouraged. John 15, one through three says, I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more free fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your word, and I pray that your word speaks clearly. In the name of Jesus, amen. So I do, I do love this passage, but, but as I was studying the scriptures, I looked at John 13 through 16 just to kind of get the scope of all that was going on here. And, 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 and I really enjoyed looking at it because I feel like it, it's an in-between. It helps fill in some gaps for us. Whenever I watch movies, I'm, I'm the type of nerd who looks at the movies and I go, I wonder what really happened to that person. Or we get to the end of the movie and I wonder what happened afterwards, right? I wonder if the couple that, that was happily ever after was actually happily ever after. Like I'm that guy. I'm the one dissecting it and doing fan fiction in my head, wondering what happened there. It's why I don't like watching Law and Order with my wife. 
she watches Law and Order, one of 14 of the Law and Orders, I think it's SVU, and she, she watches this, and at the end of Law and Order, what happens in this show, right, is that bad guy does a thing, bad guy usually gets caught after an investigation, bad guy goes into court, and then, and then they have the trial, and that's all very dramatic, because something always goes wrong. And then at the end, the, the person, the juror, stands up and he says, Your Honor, we find the defendant. Bum, bum. It's over. We don't know the ending a lot of the times. I want to know the ending. I want to know what happened. I want to know what made these characters get to the place that they were in. I want to understand the narrative. I, see, I think too often we do this with the disciples. We say, here were 11 misfits that, that did you know, followed Jesus, Jesus did some cool stuff, Jesus went away, and then they changed the world. Cool story, bro. Like that, that's kind of what we get sometimes. But there's a lot of in-between that happens, a lot of instructing, a lot of equipping, a lot of Jesus speaking truth into their lives, speaking theology into their lives to these world changers in front of him. And that's what we find here. We find the bridge in the story that will press us to understand who Jesus desires for us to be as leaders, just as he desired for his disciples to be. We're gonna figure out who we're supposed to be as leaders, as, as disciple makers, as moms and dads, as connection leaders and door holders of who we're supposed to be in and out of work. And so in this instruction, Jesus speaks this first truth, I am the true vine. What he's saying there is I am the fulfillment of everything, Israel is called the vine so much in the Old Testament and often that vine, unfortunately, in the Old Testament does not bear fruit. And Jesus says, I come to be the fulfillment. I am the true vine. I am the fulfillment. And if you, my disciples, want to bear fruit, to grow, to flourish, then your life must be, remain attached to mine. You look, your life needs to look like my life. Your love needs to look like my love, Jesus says. Your leadership needs to look like my leadership. So the first important principle for us to grasp is simply stated, but is really, really complicated in execution. And it's this, leaders learn from the example of Christ. Leaders learn from the example of Christ. So we have to ask ourselves, how did Jesus become such a fantastic leader? How did he become one of the great, not one of the greatest leader of all time? He's Jesus, I better say the greatest leader of all time. Well, he read good to great, and then he read How to Win Friends and Influence People. He watched a documentary on Winston Churchill. And he went and saw that movie where Winston Churchill yells and shakes chairs the whole time. That was an Oscar nominee last year. And then he attended a Tony Robbins seminar and he learned how to optimize his leadership and his life through supplements, through ice baths and positive self-talk. He followed Jeff Bezos on Twitter because he's a trillionaire. Am I off base? Okay, good, I'm, I'm getting some response back from you now. Hopefully the yeses and amens later will, will be to better things. But yeah, I'm a, little, I'm a little extra biblical here because the reality is that Jesus didn't have to go to other people because he was the son of God. Jesus was the son of God, like us, yet perfect. He experienced every pain that is in leadership, yet was perfect in leading and discipling and loving those he, in his care. He experienced every pain of leadership. He experienced the temptation to lead out of fear and yet was without sin. He experienced the temptation to lead out of his doubts, his self-doubt, and yet was without sin. He, he experienced the temptation to lead out of anger and yet was without sin. He experienced the temptation to lead out of his humanity 
but rather in perfection, he led out of his divinity. He is the perfect leader. Leaders learn from the example of Christ. See, Jesus actually gives us a clear example of his leadership and points, it to, uh, points us to it in this text. Look at verse three with me again. Already you are clean because of the word I have spoken to you. So that phrase that he speaks there, already you are clean, is actually pointing back to a previous verse in John 13.10. Because in John 13.10, do you know what happens? Jesus comes in and there's his disciples standing there and he begins to wash their feet. And he actually says the phrase at the end, you are already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. He's repeating this phrase here in the text, pointing them back to what he did back then, which was to wash their feet and be a servant. What we find here is Jesus, clear example of a servant scrubbing the grime of those he had led and taught. And he says, you're gonna do the same thing because the servant is not greater than his master. The example of Christ is self-sacrificial servant leadership. Jesus shows us that he is the servant and that he is a servant who is the vine who has called us to be just like him, a servant. So as we press on in this message, I want you to hear me. The church doesn't need leaders who know all the principles of leadership. We don't just need leaders who know all the principles of leadership. We need leaders who are growing in Christ. The church doesn't need people who are just pursuing excellence. We need people who are pursuing Christ. The church doesn't need you to run ahead in isolation. We need you to be side by side in Christ-centered community. Leadership devoid of relationship leads to death. And Jesus is saying, be in relationship with me, be in relationship with each other. The church needs men and women of God who will enhance their lives in Christ to replicate the sustainable success of the exponentially living out of the gospel. We need those who will abide in Christ. Verse four, abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. Do you wish to become a powerful servant leader and following the example of Christ? Then, then you have to, to know that, that first point, right? That the leaders, leaders are people who follow the example of Christ. But this second principle is so important for your self-leadership. Engaging with Christ empowers leadership. Engaging with Christ empowers leadership. Jesus emphasizes here a permanence and steadfastness in our relationship with him and in his relationship with the disciples. Abide is repeated 10 times, 10 different times in verses four through 10. Even in the, the few verses that we read there, abide in me as I abide in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. I think he, he may be trying to make a point. Jesus emphasizes this and, and, and he doesn't just tell us to abide. Hear me, this is the command of the passage. 
There is one imperative here. There is one command in this passage and it is to abide. Abide in me and I in you. Jesus demands that we remain in relationship with him even while safeguarding that relationship he has with us. Every single abide here in this passage is an energetic, active demand. The result of accomplishing said demand is the fruit that grows. We are to press into the personal responsibility of relationship. We're to press into that personal responsibility because here's the deal, Jesus does not demand that we produce results. The command here is not to bear fruit. That's not the command in this passage. It is a result of the command, which is to abide in Christ. Jesus does not demand that we produce results. He demands that we operate in community with him so that through us, he may produce results. I don't know about you, but that's encouraging. Because we live in a society that more often than not values results over relationship. And Jesus expresses that the command is in fact to build a relationship and the outcome of that abiding in him is the result because the glory is going to go to him. In fact, Jesus says in verse five that we cannot produce those results. Look at it again, verse five. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. I love that. And here's the thing. I listen to podcasts and I read leadership books and I enjoy those kinds of things. And and, and almost every time I do, there's this kind of thing that says, you need to have really good positive self-talk. You need to tell yourself how great you are. And, and how you can do it, right? I mean, I'm a true millennial. I can do anything I set my mind to. But, but here's the deal. I don't need positive self-talk. I need a little negative self-talk actually sometimes. I need to tell myself, Brian, you can do nothing apart from him. He can handle it. He can take care of it. God's got this. Our spiritual life and health matter so much more than the technique or strategy that we have, this is the essence of replicating other leaders, is that we press in to our relationship with God. The relationship is far, far, far more important than the results. We must first lead ourselves to the throne of God, to communion with the Holy Spirit through the gospel of Jesus Christ before we can expect to see gospel-centered results. We gotta go to him. So we must abide in Christ, so how? First is the reading of the word of God. Here's the deal, I'm not, I'm not here to tell you exactly how you should do it or dictate how you should read it. I'm telling you to read it. Here's what the scripture says, that, that the scripture, all scripture in fact, is God breathed and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for instruction, for all kinds of instruction, it says. So take up and read. Pick up your Bible and read. I don't know about you, but um, I'm, I'm kind of, I like process. And so sometimes when I find myself going through a slump and I'm going, man, I haven't been reading God's word like I should, I start, I start thinking through, well, what do I need to do to make time? What kind of plan do I need to use? I need to start researching the plans. I need to start thinking through and I do all that. The reality is I just need to take up and read the word of God. So the reality is, is you must do that. But, but, but here's, here's what we do is that a lot of times we read more self-development books. We more, read more Christian living books. And if we read more self-development and Christian living books this year than we do God's word, then we are going to fail. We are going to fail. 
because the reality is, is we're trying to enhance the life of our mind without enhancing our life in Christ when we do that. And in the same vein, if we're talking more about Jesus and about the Bible and not talking to Jesus, we're gonna fail. We're gonna fail because the reality is, is when we spend more time talking about him than to him, we're trying to prove to other people how much knowledge we have rather than realize that we lack knowledge and we need to go to him and talk to him. We gotta pray. We gotta get on our knees. We need to go to him. We need to talk to the God who is most powerful, whose example of leadership is more than anybody else's example, who wrote the book on leadership of self-sacrificial servant leadership way better than Jim Collins can do, way better than Elon Musk or anybody else who is a billionaire. He's better at this. He's better at this. Take time to pray, both spontaneously and scheduled. Set alarms, set alarms for your prayer so that it is scheduled and you can get into the habit of prayer. Set alarms and, and get into that habit so much so that whenever the spontaneous time comes, when the tough times come, your knee-jerk reaction is to go to God in prayer. We must abide in Christ. If we spend more time individually complaining about our community of faith rather than blessing and serving it, then we are wasting our time. Let us help you find a place to connect, to serve. Abiding in Christ is an activity that is often done alone, but you need to be accountable to it in community here at First Eulis or at any church you choose to go to. You gotta be accountable and in community to that time. Look again at verse seven as we're talking this through. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. I mean, that's, that's pretty good, right? Like I could write a book it would be heretical and say, I know the secret to get God to do what you wanna do, all right? I know how to get God to do what you wanna do, what you want him to do, you just gotta abide in him. But then the reality of the scripture is this, what does it mean to abide? It means that you are so in a relationship with Christ, you are so pressing into the word of God, you are so praying and talking to him and being in community with other believers so that you can know him, that your heart's going to be aligned with his heart and what you pray and ask for is going to be aligned with what he wants for you. Abiding equals aligning. So when we abide in Christ, we are one in mind, we are one in spirit, we are one in heart with our God. Abiding in Christ aligns us with the desires of God. And every week though, every week, I know I am, so this is, just, this is a confession. We are tempted to walk into the church and make demands of God to bless us. Make demands of God to bless us when we have not obeyed the command to abide in him. Church, if we wanna be unified and aligned with the desires of God, we have to follow this command to abide and not make demands. And, and here's the problem is a lot of times the loudest voice making the demands of blessings are the leading voices. You know, my, I, have, uh, I have three kids. Uh, I got a six-year-old girl, I got a six-year-old boy, and I got a three-year-old boy. So my house is bonkers, okay? And my, my oldest boy, Easton, whenever he was two, like all two-year-olds, he, he loved snacks. They all love snacks. Kids love snacks. Matter of fact, I have three kids now, so basically they never stop eating and I never stop grocery shopping at this point. And, and, but they're very polite, right? Whenever they walk up, right? If you have kids, you know that when they walk up and they want a snack, they say, mother, father, may I please have a snack? something nutritious and delicious that will fill my body. I, I know that you work really hard to provide me with all this food, and so I'm very grateful to, no, no. 
They walk up and say, snack, goldfish, animal crackers, juice. And I say, no. And they say, but I'm hungry. Well, anyways, when Easton was two, his connection teacher or Sunday school, whatever you want to call it, his connection teacher comes up to me and says, I got a story on Easton. And I said, oh, no. (laughs) She says, well, he came in. And Easton was very confident when he's in the church for the most part because he's a minister's kid, so he thinks he owns half this place. And so he walked into his connection room and he walked over to the little table where they do snacks. And he said, snack! And the teacher said, Easton, it's not time for snacks yet. You know, we'll do that at snack time later on. And Easton responded, snack! said, Easton, I told you, it's not time yet for snacks. We'll do that whenever it's snack time. And then Easton responded, snack, 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 snack. And then 10 terrifying two-year-olds all gathered around him. And in one voice, they lifted up and said, snack, 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 snack. I looked at the teacher and I said, what did you do? She said, well, I gave in. I said, that's leadership. My son started the revolution, the great snack revolution of 2013. Maybe I shouldn't have encouraged this. Maybe that's not the leadership we want. I wonder how often we walk into the church and we start making those demands, don't we? Feed me, blessings, Bible, prayer, my, my version of what church is, my desires, teach me, tell me, Follow me, me. But outside these doors, not abiding in Christ. I wonder how often I do that. How often I need to repent of my demands of God when I'm not following the command to abide. Christian, your empowerment will not be found because you insist on your leadership but because you engage with Christ's gospel love for his glory and for your joy. Look with me at verses eight through 11. By this, my father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As the father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. Earlier I told you that that leaders had to enhance their life in Christ in order to achieve sustainable success. So let's talk about sustainable success. Sustainable success has nothing to do with your portfolio because leaders glorify God and enhance their joy. Sustainable success has nothing to do with your portfolio, has nothing to do with your P&L, has nothing to do with your sport, your class, your boyfriend, your girlfriend, your wife, your kids, has nothing to do with your husband, has nothing to do with how much money is in the bank or how big your house is or whether you own it or you rent it or whatever. It has nothing to do with any of that. None of those things are bad things, but hear me, your sustainable success in this life, in your Christian life is not that because those are little gods, little gods that we worship that are not sustainable, that they will fail us and they will hurt us and they will pass away. 
Verse eight is telling us that God is glorified by the results, the fruit that we produce because we abide in Christ who is the vine or source of our sustainable success. So, so to rephrase this, God is glorified. I'm gonna make it really confusing for you. God is glorified because of the results he produces in us because we have proved to be like Christ who is God but only because Christ does this in us. Do you, do you see how important abiding in Christ is? What I just said was this, is that when we do good, when we are successful, it is because Christ is successful. And Christ is successful in us because we abide in Christ and Christ and God gets all the glory. That's what this is about. That's what this is about, is giving God his glory. It is most critical for all of us in here if we wanna produce God-glorifying results. One commentator said in that passage in verse five where it says that we can do nothing, he said we can do nothing of eternal value. Because some of you are sitting there, you're looking at me and you're saying, bring it on, man. I'll show you my portfolio, I'll show you my p and I'll show you what companies I've run, I'll show you everything about me that you can't have because you're not good enough. And I'll say, whoop-de-doo, because I got Jesus. Bully for you, man. I got Jesus. And there ain't no sustainable success like eternal success in glorifying God. We must press in. A leader who lacks joy is a leader who has traded the experience of God's love for the assignment of leadership. Has traded abiding in Christ for the assignment of even doing ministry. Now, please hear me. I believe that once you are saved, once you become to a saving knowledge of faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, that never goes away. You are sealed with the Holy Spirit, neither height nor death, nor power, nor principalities, nor demons, nor angels, nor anything can separate you from the love of God. Yeah, that's worth cheering. But we can operate in our assignment without abiding in Christ at times. And we can even be successful by the world's terms, but eventually, there will come a pruning, there will come a cleansing, and it will be painful because God is far, far too merciful to let you operate in your joylessness and in your pain. A few years ago, uh, I was working really hard. I, I still work hard, by the way. <laughs> but I was working really hard. I was really working hard and pressing, trying. I'd optimize my leadership. I listened to the podcast. I read all the books. I created systems. I was trying to successfully do the ministry. And I'll be honest with you, at that time it was devoid of Christ. I'm not saying I wasn't saved, but I wasn't abiding. I was trying to do the ministry devoid of Christ and, and then and God took it away. I, I believe that. I believe that God stripped away my ministry and he stripped away my leadership so that I had nothing in that except to abide in him except to turn to him. I remember being in the living room of, of my old house and we had like a high top counter. I, almost call, I called it a bar in the first service. I probably shouldn't have done that. But it was a, a high top counter. And I remember I had, I had my Bible and I was reading, reading the word because I, I needed it. <laughs> I needed it. And the only reason I had read the word over the past few years was to teach, was to come up with a lesson, to regurgitate something. And I was like, you know what? I need to read the word of God in this moment um, just, to, just to know God. 
And so I'm reading the word, and I'm, I can remember very distinctly, I'm sitting on this stool, they were very uncomfortable stools, and I'm hunched, I'm hunched over, and I'm reading the word, and, and I did what I talked about earlier, and I started making demands of God. God, why? Are you real? I wasn't even sure in that moment. Who are you? What do you want from me? And in that same moment, I wasn't even sure I got there, but I was on my knees. I was on my knees before God, and God was pressing me down, pushing me to the floor. I could literally feel his presence to where I was face down. And it was in that moment that I felt God say to me, I am here and you are called. I am here and you are called. I'll tell you this, I stood up and I had tears running down my face, but my mourning had gone away and my joy was increasing. My joy was increasing. If we're operating outside of joy, then we're not abiding. If we're operating in the flesh, we're not gonna be successful. Not by God's terms, not eternally. If we're operating out of ourselves, out of our glory, then we will fail. Because I can tell you this right now, if you don't abide, you won't survive. Everyone in this room is a leader. Whether it's in your office, your church, your family, your marriage, your teams, wherever you are, you are a leader. You are a leader because in Matthew 28, 19 and 20, God said to every single one of us, Jesus Christ looked at every single one of us in that passage and says, go therefore and preach the gospel, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That is our call. We are all Christians in this room, disciple makers. You are a leader. Be active in your leading. And don't believe just because you have studied or mentored under the best that that makes you a Christ-centered leader. Proximity to power does not make you powerful. Proximity to power does not make you powerful. A personal relationship with God, who is the most powerful, gives you the passion to impact people. That's what we need to be about. Jesus desires joy in our leading, so much so that he would command that we abide in him and so give him the glory. If you are not living for his glory, then you're not living in joy. If you're not operating in joy, then you are not abiding. This is game change time for you. It is time to lead in joy and lead because of his glory. As our prayer team begins to get in place and, and, and they're gonna be up front here in just a second, our counselors, they're, they're gonna be here. Uh, I wanna talk to three different people in this room because I, I know you're in here. Statistically, I know you're in here. There is a person in here who has been uh, leading out of their skill. They've been leading out of their strength. And today is the day you get to repent. Today is the day to repent of that sin because it is sin. It is time to abide in Christ, repent and come to Christ and say, I've been leading out of me and therefore I've been leading for my glory. And I wanna lead for your glory and I wanna lead out of my joy. Then there's someone in here, you, you, you've been abiding in Christ. You, you, you are in the word, you are preaching, you are teaching, you are abiding, you're doing all of that. But maybe, maybe you've never decided to take that step of, of multiplying your leadership, of replicating who you are in Christ. Maybe you haven't stepped into serving 
in that way and, and ask someone to come alongside with you so that you can mentor them because you felt like you were too busy or you're too important for that or somebody still needs to be pouring into you even though you've done every Bible study under the sun and you've been in the church for 50 years, today is the day to step out and say, I'm here to serve, I'm here to bless, I'm here to replicate. PJ Dunn is our, our serve minister and he's gonna be out at Guest Central and uh, he can help get you connected to a place to serve and someone to replicate. So I want you to head out there after this. And then the last person I wanna talk to in this room is a person who says, I don't know what it means to abide because I don't know Jesus. I don't know anything about him, man. And some of the stuff you said sounds weird, it sounds strange, and, and I don't know what any of that means. Today is the day that you get to know Jesus. Today is the day you make the greatest decision of your life and get to know and go into a personal relationship with the person who will change your life. Our prayer team is gonna stand up here. I'm gonna pray in just a second and they're gonna stay here. And if you need to make that decision, you need to get down here. You need to talk to them. Even if you just need somebody to pray with, come down here and get prayed with. But let me tell you, if you're that last person, the person I know is in this room who needs to know Jesus, today is a day. Step out, walk forward, and mark this day down as a game changer. Let's pray. Father God, you are a mighty, holy, wonderful God, a God of grace, a God who transforms us, a God who loves us, and we love you. I pray, Father, for every person in this room, every, every aspect of their lives, the leadership that they're walking through, Lord, I pray that you would give them uh, the knowledge and opportunity in this moment, the leading that your spirit will be working on them to know that they need to continue to press into their relationship with you and that that relationship is key because if they're leading out of their own strength and not out of a relationship with you, it is going to lead to a path of destruction, God. And I pray that that, that wouldn't happen because today you spoke to them. Father, I pray for the person who, who doesn't know you yet and I pray that they would come to know you today. Lord, I pray that for each and every one of us that you would focus our attention not on ourselves. I pray that we wouldn't just make demands of you without following that command to abide, Lord. Instead, we would, you, would, you would focus our attention on your glory, on your holiness, on everything that you are. We declare that we love you. In the name of Jesus, amen.